0: This episode of Long Night with Vishkana was recorded before a studio audience in Toronto on Friday, March 24th, 2017.
2: Coming to you live from the Gladstone Hotel in Toronto, Canada, it's Long Night with Vishkana. On tonight's season finale show, we have a panel discussion to talk about the state of Toronto music venues. Comedian Pat Gordon is here. We will talk to and have a performance from Leah Benosomosak Simpson. My name is James Keast. Your house band is The Bicycles. And please welcome your host, a man who today contemplated his mortality, Fiend. Being...
3: You, ladies and gentlemen, how you doing out there? Nice to see you. Welcome to Long Night. James Keast is here. The bicycles are here. Great job, everybody.
2: This is a couch. Is this the first time we've had? And ev- this is my first time on an official couch on our show. How do you feel? I'm super excited about the couch, honestly. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm lobbying most for four seasons.
3: most talk shows do have a, a real couch. Yeah. We, we thought we'd pony up for the season finale, it's, and it's a it's a nice, handsome couch. You look yeah, good. Yeah. Doesn't he look good in the couch? Put my feet up. Does anyone want to sit beside James during the opening of the show just to see how comfortable the couch is? Anybody in the audience? You sure? Yeah, Mick, come on up. Oh, wow. How about a hand for Mick? Uh, now this is interesting. The couch? Actually, the last time we did the show at the Gladstone, uh my sidekick, because you couldn't make it, James, was 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 Mick.
1: I've been on this couch before. God oh, damn it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Mick, you were a great sidekick. Uh, James could make it. That I'm right day. here. I know. I'm just saying uh, it's great to have you back now. It's great to be back here. Now, you, what You don't get my spot. Can I, please? No. What did you uh, think of uh, sidekicking, Mick? I'm just curious because James has done every episode except for that one incident where he couldn't make it. What was it like for you? Uh, it was a nice time. I feel like I needed to breathe more while I was announcing. Uh, and uh it was Flowed well, the conversation, I thought. Between you and me? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. It was good. I'm not fearing yeah. for
2: my job anymore. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't talk.
3: <laughs> now, did you actually take some tips from James in your role as an impromptu sidekick? I didn't. Can I
4: have a tip?
2: Uh, no. Been, no. <laughs> I'm not helping anyone get better at
3: this. I want this job. <laughs> you really didn't think of James at all. You were filling in for him at the last second. I wanted to do a joke about your name. That he always does at the beginning of the show. Oh yeah, right, yeah. Uh, Right,
1: and I asked you for one. He didn't give me one, so.
3: Yeah, I don't normally provide my sidekicks with (laughs) insults for me. I let the let them figure that out. Well, anyway, it's good to have you back. Uh, Can you please leave? Bye. Okay, Mick, (laughs) former sidekick Mick wow that was unexpected yeah surprise Uh, sidekick uh, that was that was that was good mick was good though he did a good job you do a great job thanks thanks for being here thank you uh we're going to be talking a lot about toronto and uh, toronto's past not so distant past uh one of our guests today pat thornton actually plays a version of rob ford in a new movie called filth city has anyone seen filth city yet no one. Okay, that's not good. I think it hasn't. Oh, it's not. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think it opens this weekend, maybe. Okay, I'm ill-informed, but it's supposed to be great. I, I believe he was on the cover of the Toronto Star today. Cover of the Toronto Star. Do you miss those days when when, when Rob- I was on the Toronto? Of the no, Covers- no, no. When Rob Ford was mayor. I
2: do a little bit just for the absurd comedy of it, um, but for the sake of the city, no. Right. When when it it seemed like he was just. Uh, Kind of harmlessly crazy. I, I really I enjoyed the roller coaster, mm-hmm. uh, and then it sort of got real, and you know, it was like, oh, I'm now I feel bad for enjoying this.
3: I've been hearing from lots of Americans that they feel uh, Donald Trump is their Rob Ford. That's the comparison people are making, and that's a bit dist- obviously the scale is a bit bigger. Yep, with the president there. Yep, the United States. But uh, that's a bit worrisome. That I mean, even uh, Daniel Dale, the Toronto Star columnist, is down there covering Trump, and he's compared him to Ford. Do you see a parallel there? Uh, it certainly seems like
2: the willingness to just say crazy things all the time. With, with I think the lack of regard for sort of political, common political sense is is very common. Yeah. Um, but the, the scale is terrifying.
3: Right, yeah, absolutely. Because well, it's like, well,
2: you know, you you're, he's tweeting bullshit about whatever, and then it's like, what happens if something serious happens right. and, and you're supposed to be making decisions?
3: Well, I think people feel the same way about Ford, and I think the city is still reeling from his impact. Yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because we're talking about spaces, uh, uh, art spaces today, Toronto music venues. We have a Toronto music venue panel discussion which we're really excited about yeah as i mentioned sure round of applause it's it's a it's been a a hot topic of discussion so we have some wonderful people on the show to talk about that i mentioned that comedian and actor pat thornton is here to talk about his new film and really good timing to have pat on yeah it's good yeah and uh we're very thrilled because leanne simpson will be here to perform some music and have a chat as well we're going to take a quick break and when we return the show gets going thanks for being here Thank you very much. Has it felt like you and your spouse are missing something lately? It could be because Creative Control recently updated its RSS feed. If you and your special someone have been missing episodes of this podcast lately, refresh your settings. It should work. Don't get divorced because of internet mumbo-jumbo. Refresh your settings and get that Creative Control podcast back in your love life. Welcome back. Welcome back to Long Night. Uh, Welcome back. It's nice to to see you all here once again. uh, As I was saying at the top of the show, the city of Toronto has been facing some very concerning issues surrounding music venues Uh, since the autumn. Clubs and live rooms like the Hideout, Hughes Room, Soy Bomb, the Hoxton, the Central, the Silver Dollar... Holyoke and Harlem have all announced plans to shut down which has prompted concern among musicians promoters and fans uh, we're joined now by four knowledgeable people who have been examining the situation from different perspectives April Eliemo is a musician who plays in Hooded Fang and Phaedra Brian Wong is the founder of It's Not You It's Me a community-oriented organization focused on underground dance music culture Greg Benedetto is a musician and promotes hardcore punk shows and helps organize the Not Dead Yet festival and Kevin Ritchie is a music journalist and the assistant entertainment editor at NOW Magazine. Please welcome all of those people right now. Hey, hi, guys. Welcome, welcome to the show. Please say hello to everyone and introduce yourselves. I know I just did it, but it would be nice for everyone here to, to hear your voices and, and put a, a name to a face.
1: Hi.
5: Hi, April.
3: It would be good if you said your name after Brian. Hi. My name is Brian. Hi. Hey, Brian. Thanks for being here. April?
5: Hey, April. Hey, April, what's up? What's up?
3: Are you talking to yourself? Cowabona, dude. I think this has happened before. Go ahead. Hi, I'm Kevin. Hi, Kevin. I, I'm Greg. Greg, Kevin, Brian, what did you say your name was? April? April, right, April. Thank you for being here. Oh, the other April. The other was April. Yeah, I know yeah. there's two of you yeah. on stage at, at all times. Thank you very much for being here. Now, April, let's, I am I hesitate to do this, but let's begin with you. <laughs> From your perspective, what is the issue here? I kind of outlined it, but from your perspective, what's going on in Toronto?
5: Um, I'm by no means an expert, but I think it's like everyone knows that the city is being overrun by condo developments and um, it's, you know, pushing the price up of, of uh, spaces, of affordable housing. Um, I think at like the Galleria Mall, for example, where actually there was a, a long winter.
3: Actually Brian helped organize that with uh, our own and Long Winters
5: Mike Alachuk. They're, they're building I think something like 10,000 units and like maybe like 150 or 200 something like outrageously low like less than 5% of them are going to be affordable housing. And like for 10,000 units. And so so it's, a,
3: it's a real estate issue. It's a it's a social issue. It's not simply music venue shutting down. This is symptomatic of Yeah, and I issues. think that
5: housing and um, just like rent increases have to be a big part of the conversation. And so from a musician's perspective, the diversity of places that we get to play in are definitely dwindling. Or um, throwing shows ourselves and not just having to rely on a promoter all the time. If we want to book a you know, a, a small show to try different, you know, sets out, it's, it's hard. We're not going to, like, I'm not going to book a show at the Horseshoe to do, like, an experimental solo set. I would try that at the Holyoke, but guess what? The Holyoke is gone, right. you know, and, it's, and they had to close down because it was too expensive for them to stay, and now they're looking for a new space.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who's followed Long Winter knows we've been hopping around venues every month. Uh, we're back at the Gladstone but uh, we had a a similar sort of situation, I I guess you could say, it's not, the place didn't close down, but we weren't allowed back in. But uh, yeah, so I I do relate uh, to what you're saying. Uh, Go ahead.
5: Well, And and then I think because of the influx of condos, the actual social landscape is changing and the demand for different things are changing. So now there's uh, Starbucks in certain places because they can afford to be there and then like, you know, a lot of the condo patrons, they are happy to have a Starbucks. I mean, I don't know for sure, but it seems that is the case. Right. And uh, a lot of us are actually feeling it at this, like, grassroots artist level.
3: Right. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, Greg and Brian, you promote shows. What's your take on what's happening? Greg?
6: <laughs> it's, I, so you named, like, was it, seven or eight venues in the past? Yeah. So I think one thing that everyone's in danger of is sort of, like, painting the situation with the same... There isn't are you mad one, at me? Did no, 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 I do, no, 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 did no. I do the wrong thing? No, not at all. <laughs> but I think I think that we all need to be responsible in how we talk about the situation. Yeah, just sure. because, y- yes, uh, you know, like April and I have spoken about this before, and we both are in agreement that like the social landscape is changing. The cost of living is the primary driver, and as such, you see certain symptoms. Sort of manifest and that's like Hughes room can't afford to stay open Soybomb is under the pressure of MLS well MLS is kind of tied to the whole development thing as well like there is that is a very underlying thing venues are closing for different reasons um, I think I think when it comes down to it and this I think there's, a, there's it's important to be optimistic there are more venues in this city for me to book a show at than there has been since I started booking there shows. There are more there.
3: venues opening and active mm-hmm. right now, right? Yes. Yeah. The problem,
6: as far as I see it personally, is that there are not enough spaces that can entertain what April said, spaces where people can experiment, people spaces where people can exist outside of the framework that we've already been given. Right. And in what I do, and I think this is this is, again is something that a lot of us share, is I'm interested in promoting things that are in the margins. I'm not like, yes, I, I, I actually have a show at the Great Hall tonight that I'm promoting. Oh, okay. But and, but I am that's not where my heart is, and that's not how I made the relationship with the person who sold at Longboat Hall tonight. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's the people in the margins that I want to amplify, and th- there's no space for that right now, and it's being taken away and no one's shoring it up. Brian,
3: do you have some insight
6: I here? I
1: completely agree. I think it's very much an access to space issue. I think this is like 25 to 30 years of short-sighted planning kind of coming to bear. Um, there's kind of an emerging thing where people want to go to like unconventional venues and you can do it through SOPs and whatever, but also the Ontario government with the Liquor Act really doesn't actually support that. So. There's a lot of different things. Like, recently we had the Oakland uh, ghost ship fire as well. And that kind of shook up the regulatory bodies to really come and, like, enforce these things, which were kind of just happening, like, off the cuff before. Yeah. So, so that's another thing, right? It's like the city hasn't planned sustainably for these things to exist. And so what naturally happens is the big players can survive, and everybody yells at the big players because they're the ones who get all of the remaining dwindling pie, right? But then the little players who build up acts, who, who develop emerging markets, they get shafted, right? So the city really needs to step up and plan for the future and you know, open up other areas where we can do this kind of stuff and, and foster innovation and growth, right? So,
3: I noticed that uh, I've had the experience of insurance companies actually ratcheting up their liability insurance for such events now where you can't even have events like a live venue or live music show. With liquor, Like, you can't have it well, with alcohol? They'll just say, no, you can't do it?
1: I think it depends on where it is. I, yeah. I know that, yeah, liability is a major thing here. Yeah. Like, Ontario liability law is very, very conservative compared to a lot of places. Right. And the SOP factors into that, right? Yes. So, like, because you can't get an SOP, then definitely you can't have, like, a show or whatever, you know, stuff like
3: that. I want to get back to this uh, alternate, alternative venue uh, discussion in a moment, but Kevin, you recently moderated a panel about this uh, discussion was it a week ago two weeks ago uh, two, two weeks ago two weeks ago and what surprised you about that discussion in particular
7: I don't know if it was so much a surprise is the, the the discussion just kind of crystallized the division around this issue or the lack of unity that there is in the city uh, in the or w- within the music community around this issue like not everyone perceives it as a an, something that is serious I see and that a lot of the, the when it, and that kind of stems also to the top where culture isn't really thought of in planning at a big picture level in Toronto like you can't like there's a certain amount of entertainment licenses for venues and most venues are licensed as restaurants or public hall public halls so the Toronto the music council or advisory council that they have has sort of recommended this um, idea of like a venue registry and that's sort of a controversial idea because a lot of the established players kind of like the way it is because it works to their competitive advantage if other people can't get a, li- a certain kind of license. So it's just that there's, like, it, it, there's also sort of division in terms of who has access at a grassroots level. There, there's not really that much grassroots representation on the Music Council, um, or it's, and therefore in these discussions and sort of what gets forwarded because the Music Council doesn't have power, they're just rec- recommending things that then politicians will presumably act on. And all of those people tend to be the gatekeepers, the sort of big promoters, um, the big, you know, record labels, and so forth. And a lot of the big promoters as we found re- reacted to our story sort of negatively. They were very critical, um, but then, you know, but then they declined to participate in the so panel. When so when you
3: say there's divisiveness about the issue, it's divisiveness between the power players and the people who are advocating for smaller venues. Is that? Too broad a brush to paint this with as well, Brian? I, I think it depends. I think
1: sometimes you have
3: situations where
1: big players work with the smaller players too. I think the I was invited to a couple like live music industry stakeholder meetings, not the TMAIC or whatever. Uh, it was a separate discussion with city planners where they were just like looking for options to see how they could actually grow like every sector. So I think this is a new thing. Like the music office is a new thing, right? Um the TMAIC. Yes, I think it is stacked very much to, you know, like the Live Nations and collective concerts of the world, but um, I think the office itself is trying to reach out, so...
3: So, wait, that, that's a good thing. That's a good sign. I, I
1: also think that just due to the nature of Toronto politics or just politics in general, stuff is really slow, right? They're planning for, like, 2018 for, like, a secondary plan that might get pushed through. Like, every everybody here and every music lover in Toronto will have to get behind it to like counter all the people who just want to like have no noise whatsoever. You know what I mean? It's it's finding consensus that is the hardest thing. And that's totally what we see even with Kevin's piece and and the panel. It's like, how do we get the big players to talk to the little players? And how do we get everybody to understand that it's just about finding a new way forward for everybody?
7: But The other side of that is you have a bunch of noise, anti-noise
1: groups and residence groups that are
7: extremely well organized. And you have, you know, they tend to get what they want because they show up. So you know, Rebel, the nightclub that used to be the docks and sound academy on the waterfront, um, is applying for a new liquor license. It's sort of a long story, but they have a license now that ban, uh, with conditions on it that bans outdoor events and so forth. So, Charles Cabot, who's the sort of club king in the city, is, is applying for a new license to get rid of the conditions, or get in different <coughs> conditions, and, uh, you know, the news kind of broke that they were doing this, and within a week, three different um, residence groups organ- uh, mobilized to, oppo- to oppose it, and what they said to me when I wrote about that was, if only we had more time, we would have had way more people, hmm. and I've had, you know, multiple residence groups, developers, emailing me, being like, can you put me in touch with these people
1: so I can oppose this, Whoa. too?
7: you know yeah, really I, on top of it. I, so, think it I think it
1: really is this it's like old people who have nothing better to do who are fully like prepared they come with binders of stuff to these meetings right yeah. and then like musicians are like just waking up you know what I mean it's, it's, it's not real
3: so is, real. One, is, is <laughs> one solution for the CRTC to establish an all Matlock channel where they just they don't have to do they just sit there and they watch Matlock and they don't bother us. Yeah, that's
1: that's like the sound insulation like
3: solution, right? Yeah. Like just have matlock on speakers in their <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. condos. <laughs> Sorry, I have to wrap up. I'm being told by my floor director. Brid- oh no, What's I was g- I was
5: gonna say like that's all true, and I mean they're older and they're angry and they're like, what are we gonna do? It's true that a lot of people of our demographic, no one's really politically engaged. People yeah. are liking things and complaining. On social media, and you know, we a, a bunch of us went to um, the Toronto Advisory Council meeting you know, last month, and it made a huge difference. Like the fact that 20 mu- musicians showed up and were expressing, uh, you know, concern about these music venue closures. Now, like whether they like it or not, they have like it's recorded. They have to discuss the fact that there's 20 people complaining about this problem. And then they have to figure out something to recommend to the city, you know. And a few of the counselors, I'm not like there's probably 30 of them, and maybe less uh, than five of them actually care about this problem. And they want to work with us. And they said, you know what, you should just keep showing up. And the other problem is that <clears throat> no one knows what TMAC is or how they operate. What does it stand for again? Toronto Advisory Music Council. They're, no. they're not getting. Or advisory council. I don't M- music know. About music big Mac. Music Toronto they, music a sandwich. advisory council?
3: Okay, they're a sandwich. Go yeah,
5: um, but uh, the point is, there's there's like a like the actual systemic problem of not properly advertising what they are, when their meetings are. The next meeting is on June fourth, and people need to know that in like the the music. June fourth. Where is it? Uh, City Hall. City Hall. And luckily, it's in the afternoon this time. Last yeah, time it was like in the 3 morning. PM.
3: Three. Three p.m.
6: I, I missed the last one, so I put this one in my calendar. I couldn't <laughs> yeah. go to the last one.
3: So just, I do have to wrap this up. But is your takeaway that, let's call it, our side needs to organize? Yeah. People yes. need Damn to much.
5: become like more aware of what's happening. They need to organize. They need to show up at these meetings. They need to. You. You write an email and you you say that you want to make a deputation, and you'll see that you look up their agenda, and there's an agenda item that will say, Toronto Music Venues, and then you, you say in your email, I want to make a deputation on this specific agenda item, your name, your address, and then you ask, "What number, like speaker, am I, or whatever?" And then at the actual council, it's a bit freaky because there's like all these people sitting in a horseshoe, staring at you with their suits and ties, and then you're there dressed like this, your dad's old clothes. You don't, you don't
3: have to dress like that. Well, it's
5: <laughs> you don't have to dress like that. I'm biche. just saying
3: you don't have to. Totally, I do. I have the talk show. But <laughs> you like? A sip of your water from your guest mug? Oh, yes,
5: I would, actually. Or should I? Um, anyway, you have, you have five minutes, and you're sitting there for five. And there's a timer, and it's like counting down.
3: I need one of those.
5: So you can speak from, your, speak from your heart, but you should have something written down, like carefully articulated, and get all your friends to do the same thing. And if you can't write it, get your friend who knows how to write to write it yeah, and no, just sit there and read it.
3: I appreciate that. That's I, I, I'm sorry, we, we're out of time. Okay. But I want to thank, uh, how about a hand for Kevin, Greg, and Brian, and April. We have to uh, stay where we are. We have to take a break. When we return, comedian Pat Thornton joins us. Stay where you are. Thank you very much. Promotional consideration is provided by Planet Bean, a Guelph-based coffee company with service throughout Ontario. Fair trade, organic and yummy. Visit PlanetBeanCoffee.com for more info. Welcome back to Long Night uh, with Vish Thanks again to our music panel for being here. Uh, real quick note, uh, this show is being recorded for the uh, Creative Control Podcast, which I produce and host. And if you want to learn more about it, go to my website, Vishkhanna.com. Uh, it's been on iTunes and Audioboom.com for some time, but I'm pleased to announce we're
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello fresh.
7: They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
3: are on Google Play and Stitcher and tune in now. So if you haven't heard the show, please check out Creative Control with of okay? Okay. Thank you. We still have lots of show left and uh, let's get right to it. Our next guest is an actor who plays a version of the late Toronto mayor Rob Ford in a new film called Filth City. He's also working on a new comedy series called Cousins and his new stand-up special, Different Times, premieres on Saturday, March 25th on the Comedy Network. Recently,
4: I woke up and went straight into the shower and when the water hit my genitals, a thud was heard. Now I guess what had happened was a penny had fallen down. So I guess I had a penny just kind of hiding up there behind my balls. And the first thing I thought was, they discontinued the penny a while ago. (laughs) So, like, how long has that been there? (laughs) Pat Thornton, ten times, March
1: twenty-fifth on Comedy.
3: Please welcome Pat Thornton, everyone. Pat Thornton.
4: Wow. Hey, Pat. We did
3: it. Wow, you—we got the Entertainment Tonight theme song. (laughs) I assume thanks, because guys. of your resemblance to John Tesh. I don't know why. <laughs> what? Hey, Ben. Why entertainment tonight? He's entertaining yeah, He's entertaining yeah. and he's here tonight. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Pat, it's uh, it's great to have you on the show. Oh, thanks. And congrats on this special. It looks amazing.
4: Yeah, I'm excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: So this 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 title, different times. What does that mean? What does that connote to you?
4: Uh, I told I tell jokes about different times in my life. <laughs>
3: What are what are some of the uh, what are some of the times that you discuss? There was that time. Yeah,
4: it's definitely that time with the penny on my balls time. There's another time when I uh, when I ordered KFC. You got to watch this special. Okay. okay.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Is there? I, I know that KFC bit. I remember you opened for Patton Oswalt and he loved that bit. Do you remember this? Oh yeah, I he remember just this. He, he said he he loved he just thought and it's a. I don't want to spoil it, but it's very funny. It's a good. But is there actually a bit from the special that you're particularly excited to share with people? Something like fresh, something that. you Yes, want
4: to... absolutely. There, there's one uh, joke that is my favorite joke. In fact, I'm scared about whether or not I'll ever be able to beat it, or if I should just stop. But uh, it's be- about beat it. Yeah. You mean? T- if I'll ever be able to write another a joke better
3: than it. Oh, oh! I thought you said you were afraid that you will never be able to. No, no, beat it. No, no. no, 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 no. Oh. I no. took it to a gross, I misunderstood. Can you, We're good, we um, you, you, Sorry. Pat,
2: have you ever written a joke so good you didn't want to masturbate anymore? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> no. okay. No. Okay.
3: Okay. I think that's the clarification. Yeah, okay. Yeah, good. I'm no, sorry. No, I don't know. My no. mind went to the gutter there. I've
4: definitely written a joke so good I'm afraid. Uh, no, it's not the greatest joke in the world, but it's the best one I've written. And I'm afraid that I'll never write a joke better than it. Can we hear but the I'm joke? But I'm still masturbating like crazy. Oh, Don't good for Don't worry about me. I'm going a hand for Pat
3: Thornton and his uh, <laughs> masturbation. Don't worry about me. Can we possibly hear the joke that you're talking about? I know we've set it up pretty well here now, but can we hear one of the jokes?
4: One of the jokes? Uh... I mean, okay. no is the answer. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, the joke that I'm talking about is like a four-minute joke. Oh, it's a, it's a long yeah, joke. Yeah, it's a longer joke. Well,
3: I, I just, okay. Uh, well, we'll just watch the special. Is that what you're saying? Is that better? Or well, do it you... depends how
4: long you want We me have a bit here. of
3: time, right? We have five minutes left? Tell the joke, Pat. Let's tell okay, the joke. Right. let go for the joke. I okay. want to hear the joke.
4: All right, guys. <laughs> There's a commercial that they play before the movies for the Toyota Corolla. I don't know if you've seen this one, but it's one of these commercials where uh, somebody gets, there's like a host sitting in the car and a bunch of people get to test drive the car, right? But uh, here's the thing, they've taken the word Corolla off the side of the car, so no one has any idea what car they're driving. Now, of course, it looks exactly like a Corolla. And if it wasn't a Corolla, it would definitely be like a reasonable Japanese sedan, like an Accord or a Camry or whatever. But uh, all of these people who are driving the car, there's always a point where the host says, do you know what car you're driving? And the person driving is like, no. And he's like, well, you're in the new Corolla. And then they freak the fuck out. They're like, what? Me? Now? How? And I just feel like, for that level of freak-out, it should look a lot less like a Corolla. (laughs) Like, imagine this, imagine this, okay? It's a big swimming pool, okay? Guy dives into the pool, lifeguard blows a whistle, points at a no-diving sign, and goes, hey, 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 buddy, what are you doing? You're in the new Corolla. (laughs) And then freak out, because what's happening? (laughs) A couple comes home from a date. It's a first date. It's going pretty well. The guy's trying to unlock the door without stopping the kissing, right? And uh, they get inside, it's fine. He's fumbling with her shirt in a way that's like, can I? Should I? And eventually he's like, you know, before I go any further, I think I should tell you, you're in the new Corolla. (laughs) And then freak out. Is it safe? (laughs) There's a tent in the woods three guys in the tent so quiet in the woods except some snoring is heard first guy wakes up shakes the guy next to him and he's like hey man listen can you just sleep on your side or something cause you're snoring so loud and it's so late and the guy wakes up and he's like what no it's not me Can't you still hear it? It's not me. And he's like, oh, oh, sorry, sorry. So he shakes the next guy awake. And he's like, hey, man, listen. Can you just sleep on your side or something? Because you're snoring so loud. And it's so late. We're all supposed to go fishing at dawn. (laughs) That guy wakes up and he's like, what? No, it's not me. Can't you still hear it? It's not me. And the first guy's like, well, I thought there were only three guys in this tent. So he fumbles around in the dark for a flashlight and finds it and looks around. In the corner of the tent, there's a little tiny bear cub (laughs) snoring so loud. And the guys don't know what to do, right? They're like, I don't know, I don't know. It's a fucking bear, I don't know. Eventually, the first guy's like, I got this. And he shakes the bear cup away. And he's like, hey man, listen. You just sleep on your side or something? So you're snoring so loud. It's so late. I don't know what you're doing in the morning, but we're all going fishing at dawn. I mean, we only have the three poles. But if you just want a pod or whatever. <laughs> and the bear cub wakes up. He's all groggy, and he rubs his paw in his eye, and he says, you're in the new Corolla. <laughs> yeah, that's my Corolla joke. That
3: was amazing. Pat, <laughs> thank you so much for that joke. That's a great joke. Thank you. Now, you, uh, we, we don't have much. Well, wrap up. Look at that. <laughs> I am in the wrap up sign. Uh, yeah, you
2: made a movie. Blah, blah blah.
3: You made a movie, Phil yeah. City. What's What's when's this coming so, out? So
4: this is crazy. It uh it premieres uh tomorrow, uh, March 25th at the Canadian Film Fest. Uh, which is crazy that it's happening the same day as my special. Um, I've been getting a lot of death threats on Twitter because Doug Ford hates this movie without seeing it. And um, uh, what it's also playing April 3rd, uh, at the Royal. It's sponsored by Now Magazine. April 3rd for free at the Royal.
3: And you're are you? You're not playing Rob Ford. I'm
4: playing a character named Tom Hogg who's loosely based on Rob Ford. Okay.
3: Was that fun to play? It was extremely fun to play. Uh,
4: if Rob Ford never existed, I would never get to play like a crazy, like villain slash antihero like like right. this guy and. Uh, I got to shoot a machine gun, and it's nuts. <laughs> this movie's nuts. So I'm, it was extremely fun to do. All it, right. Yeah. Well,
3: we'll and Is there a website or something? Where can people learn more about the? Uh, they can learn more about the, the film
4: at PhilCity.net.
3: Okay. Cool. And yeah. uh, you can follow Pat on Twitter, and I urge you all to do it at Pat Thornton uh, on Twitter. I have it. A round of applause for Pat Thornton. One more time. It's unbelievable. So much. We uh, we have to take a quick break. When we return, Leanne Batanpasak Simpson joins us. Another hand for Pat Thornton. We'll be right back.
0: When Vish gets hungry, he wants pizza. And when he wants pizza in Guelph, he goes to Pizza Trocadero. They combine the freshest gourmet ingredients and bake them to perfection in a stone oven. That's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade.
3: Welcome. Welcome back to Long Night. Our next guest is a renowned and award-winning scholar, writer, and artist who has been widely recognized as one of the most compelling indigenous voices of her generation. This past fall, RPM Records released her new record, Flight, and on April 8th, House of Nancy will publish her book of short stories. I have a copy of it right here, short stories and songs. It's called This Accident of Being Lost. Please join me now in saying hello to Leanne Betamosak, Bet- Leanne Simpson. <laughs> I deeply apologize. It's never happened to me. I mispronounced your, your middle name. How do you pronounce it?
8: Potasimusack.
3: Potasimusack. I've been practicing it and I had it. I apologize. Does that's that happen it,
8: that's, a lot? That's, that's okay. Does it happen sometimes? It's, um, it, this is the first time it's happened.
3: <laughs> For fuck's sake. Really? Oh, am I allowed to say that on a podcast? You can say it, yeah. I, I feel really badly. The first time ever. <laughs> yeah. Does, is there a meaning behind the name? Yes. What does it mean?
8: Uh, it's Nishnabé, which is Ojibwe, and it means uh, a woman walking towards the earth.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. That's lovely. Thank you. Well, I'll work on it. I've been, I honestly was, I thought okay. I had it and I, I screwed I up. I forgive you. Now you're from, uh, how are you, be, besides me being an idiot, how, how are you? Are you <laughs> this, good?
8: I'm good. I'm really, uh, I'm really excited that you invited me to your couch.
3: Oh, thank you. Is, yeah, it, is it a comfortable This is
8: my first talk show. My first time on the couch. Nice. Are you a fan of talk shows? Um,
3: Yeah, of course. Who's your favorite talk show host?
8: Uh, You. You. Really? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. How about a hand for me? (laughs) How about a hand for... (laughs) That's very kind of you. Thank you. Now, Do you follow late night TV generally?
8: Well, I go to bed pretty early in Peterborough, so... And I don't have a TV.
3: Oh. So no. <laughs> so this is a big thrill for you to it's be on an actual talk show. Thrill. You're up past yeah. your bedtime yeah. and everything. I You're know. on a couch. Crazy. It's great. Now you live in Peterborough. What's that like?
8: Um, it's it's we don't have a problem with condos there. It's it's very cheap to live there. Mm-hmm. So that's good. There's a very vibrant indigenous arts community. So that's good. Um, it's really close to the bush. So that's also good. It's pretty close to Toronto. That's,
3: so that's okay. These are all good things. All I good first things. encountered you at the. Peterborough Folk Festival there. Mm-hmm. You were playing in the park. It seemed very lovely, like a lovely setting there. Uh, yeah. And, and is, it, is it a place that enables you to do all the things you do in particular?
8: Yeah, in part because it's so cheap to live there and in part because there's this, this vibrant, supportive community and because it has this, you know, access to, to bigger cities too. It's important to get out of Peterborough. As you well.
3: like it so much because you can leave.
8: Uh, yeah, well, yeah, uh. that's common.
3: Where are you from originally?
8: Um, I, my, my ancestry is from Alderville First Nation, which is close to Peterborough, which is why I live there. Okay. So, uh, my ancestors are from Peterborough, but I grew up in Wingham, Ontario, home of of Alice Munro. Oh. Over by Lake Huron. Oh, okay.
3: That, that that was cool?
8: Not, not, not really, no. No. (laughs) Not good. No. No.
3: You had to get out. I don't know much about that area. That's interesting. All right. Well, I I enjoyed your book, uh, and I, this is out April 8th, right? Yep. April 8th. And this is, how many books have you, you've published a lot of books.
8: I've published a few books, yeah. I think that this is my, um, this is my seventh or eighth book, if I, if I include the ones that I edited. Wow. But it's my second book of short stories and poetry.
3: It's lovely, and in your work, in this book, I, I, as I was reading it, I felt like you were conveying a certain tone. A certain tone when it comes to how non-indigenous people, particularly white people, tend to try and help First Nations people. It's a I don't know if it's a sarcastic tone, but there was definitely something I picked up on. Am I misreading that sentiment? Can you elaborate upon that?
8: I took a tone with the white people. (laughs) (laughs) Says the brown man. Yes.
3: (laughs) I've taken the tone with the white people too, Uh, but am I wrong about that?
8: Um, I wanted to be really honest in writing the book, and I, and I do a lot of my writing for an indigenous audience. So I wanted that community, my community, to, to really have a resonate, the stories resonate with them. And so that's sort of where I think that tone comes from, but the, um, the impact of when you do that is that the stereotypes that a lot of Canadians have um, and the relationship that a lot of Canadians have um, with indigenous people kind of gets shattered. So I think that I was, I was trying to do that as a political intervention as well. And I wanted to have really strong indigenous characters coming out the world with a vibrancy and from a place of grounded strength because that's, that's what I see in my community. Whereas in the mainstream media, a lot of the time we're sort of presented as, as victims.
3: There's a patronizing tone that you were trying to undercut? Is that yeah, fair? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Do you experience this yourself?
8: Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure, yeah.
3: And so, do you have personal ways of dealing with it? Like, th- that you would recommend to others?
8: Um, well, you know? I think the way that I've dealt, well, the way that the characters deal with it in the book is through humor. And, uh, and through using their words and through not letting it stop them. Yeah. And sort of, again, coming from, coming at the world from a place of power.
3: So did anything in particular spur this particular batch of stories and songs on? Was there a unifying theme or, or something that uh, sparked you to, to, to write these things?
8: Um, I think I try to live an interesting life, and I think that that's where those stories come from. It's a, it's a building up of the stories, and there's some characters that reoccur from my first book, Islands of Decolonial Love. So it's sort of exploring the same kinds of, of themes as as that book of stories and songs.
3: Okay, and, and are you already on work on a, a, another volume?
8: I have a I have a, non, a creative nonfiction sort of academic book coming out in the, the fall, and we're still playing lots for this record, but yeah, yeah, I wanna do another another book. It's great, you're very prolific. And other,
3: I mean, you mentioned that there are themes picked up from your previous book, uh, and I actually noticed that the book shares the title with a song from your, your latest album. Right, right. Um, is your work all connected in some way or is that just a, sort of a coincidence?
8: Well, it all comes from me. Right, right. <laughs> so it's all connected. But yeah, the lyrics from the album are published in the book as poems. Right. Yeah.
3: And so you just, is there any significance to this accident of being lost? Because you could have picked anything really, but obviously this uh, stuck out for you.
8: I think that that the poem um, and the song which we'll, we'll play tonight, um, called The Accident of Being Lost kind of embodies a lot of the themes and a lot of the characters and the situations they find themselves in kind of resonate with this idea of being lost but it, but you never get lost on purpose it's sort of always an accident Right. so there's a lot of different that's a theme that I think runs through the book and through the album
3: interesting that's fascinating now you have a band
8: I do have a band you
3: work with how collaborative is your music making I assume this is the writing is somewhat solitary. yeah. So is the music very collaborative?
8: Um, it's becoming more collaborative, actually. And so um, initially, I came up with the lyrics, and I commissioned um, a bunch of different musicians to write. Uh, the music, um, then we sort of collaborated with Jonah Spinetta from Evening Hymns and uh, James Bunton in the studio, and then as we've developed the live show, I think it's become more and more collaborative as the the lyrics get interwoven with the music. Okay.
3: Yeah. Interesting. Well, I understand uh, you're going to play a song. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's Road Salt, right, from the yes. latest album? That's the plan? You and yep. who's going to join you?
8: Uh, Nick Ferriero is going to join me on guitar, and my sister, Ansley Simpson, is going to help with some of the backup vocals
3: okay well I think we should get to it I think we should we should we should get to that so we're gonna take a quick break uh, reset the stage a little bit and then we'll be back with more with Leanne stick around thank you This episode is brought to you by The Bookshelf, an independently-owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie, theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. All right, we're back on Long Night, uh, joined by her bandmates now to perform the song Road Salt from her album Flight. Please welcome... Liam Batassima Simpson, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
9: Suffering, the road salt still managing dread fear. On deck, hacking overhead till we're mid road again next year. Dawn gets eaten by.
3: Jordan for being here, our Toronto music panel, and uh, all of you. Thank you for being here at Long Winter, and we'll see you next time. That's the end of this season, but we'll be around, right? we got a talk show that's coming on the TV soon. We'll see you around. Thank you very much. Good night, everybody.